0: Welcome everyone, you're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg.
1: And if you think of this... Throughout history, Rome, who I believe is the center, the foundation of this apostate church. There's going to be many others that are going to pile on to that apostate church. But even going back into the 12th and 16th century, the Roman and the Spanish Inquisitions were responsible for the death of millions of Jews, Christians, and even Muslims. To the-
0: Thanks for joining us today. John was amazed because this wasn't pagan persecution, but religious persecution. This is the pseudo church, thirsty for the blood of the saints. False religion is always the worst enemy of true religion. We should never forget that some of the most vicious persecution conducted against true Christians has been done in the name of the church. In the days when the Roman Catholic Queen Mary ruled England, known as Bloody Mary, some 288 Christians were burnt at the stake for their stand for Christian truth. Let's join Pastor Rob as he continues our study.
1: Heaven and earth, so they decide they're going to reach God, and we know that they did awful, horrible practices on the top of that ziggurat. And you see that even in the Aztec religion today. They would sacrifice human beings, take out the heart of suspects up there and sacrifice it to their god. We see even that in the Mayan, in in uh, those pagan religions in South America. Where did it come from? The mother of harlots, Babylon. It all started here. And it wasn't that God was concerned that they would reach him because he is way out of their reach. Rather, he was concerned that this united rebellion against him would, um, and the pagan practices that were carried out in that tower. And so what was God's response to this work of man? It tells us in verse 7 of chapter 11 there, it says, Come, let us. Here's a reference to the Trinity. The Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, come, let us go down. And there confuse their language, that they may not understand one another's speech. And this is the mercy of God as well as a judgment against them. Do you understand that? Because to allow them to continue in this and not be accountable would lead them further into judgment that God would have to judge. Does that make sense? God stopped them in their process because he had just judged the earth. And now they come out and they begin to do these other things. He could have judged the earth again, but what did he do? Instead of judging them and starting all over again, he confused their language. And that's why we have French and German and and Spanish and Russian and Arabic and Hebrew. All these languages that we see, where did it come from? Right here, folks. Right here. The foundation of it was right here. How did God do that? I don't know. He can tweak anything in your brain and all of a sudden you don't understand. He's able. If he's able to say, let there be light, and there was light, I think it's a pretty easy thing for him to go, you know, I'm just going to confuse their language. They're going to have to develop a whole new language, and they separated into the earth, which was originally what he wanted them to do to begin with. Boy, we're knuckleheads. (laughs) Aren't we? Man left alone to his own devices, we're just a bunch of rebel scoundrels. Rebels! Aren't you glad your rebelness has been converted? I'm so glad for myself, for you as well. But notice they were disciplined to prevent further judgment. And this is God's grace. Do you see it as God's grace or just a mean God trying to stop uh, some big building project? No, it was his grace that he stopped them. Because if he didn't stop them, he would have to judge them. So in his grace, he confused their language, caused them to disperse throughout the earth. And Babel, Babylon literally means confusion, the city of confusion. So in verse 8 of, of uh, Genesis 11, it says, The Lord scattered them abroad from there over the face of all the earth, which is originally what he wanted to do. And they ceased building the city. Hallelujah. Now God doesn't have to judge them for what their, their disobedience. Therefore, its name called, is called Babel, because there the Lord confused the language of all the earth. And from there the Lord scattered them abroad over the face of the earth. And this is exactly the same thing that we're going to see. We're going to look at it more next week, hopefully, when we get into chapter 18. A literal city, Babylon, is going to be built on the shores of the Euphrates. And Sad- Saddam Hussein began building it in the 90s. And then he had to forego that because we invaded their country and put, an, uh, put a stop to it. But there's plenty there. They, they, they did quite a bit, and it's still there. And the Bible says that that place is going to be a city once again, and it won't take long for that city to become a huge city once again. We've seen it in modern history, just in 10 years, how easy it is for a city that was once desert to become a big, bustling city. Not a hard thing in today's standards, so I believe that that's literally what it means. Babylon is a city that is going to be rebuilt again. I believe that. And that's where the Antichrist will take up his reign and his headquarters, if you will. Notice back in verse 6 of our text this morning in Revelation 17, it says, I saw the woman, she was drunk with the blood of the saints and with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. This woman, this harlot church, this apostate church, she was drunk with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. And when I saw her, I marveled with great amazement. And if you think of this, Throughout history, Rome, who I believe is the center, the foundation of this apostate church, there's going to be many others that are going to pile on to that apostate church, but even going back into the 12th and 16th century, the Roman and the Spanish Inquisitions were responsible for the death of millions of Jews, Christians, and even Muslims. Sir Robert Anderson said of Scotland Yard, he estimated that Rome was guilty of the death of 50 million Christians. The Inquisition, the stake, and the torture chambers are all history. Recent persecutions against Christians in Spain, Colombia, and elsewhere confirm this. So they were part of it. The church persecuting the church. The false church persecuting the real church. Now, does that mean that everyone in Roman Catholicism is going to hell? No, I don't believe that. Are many. Lost in that religion? Yes, I believe there is. And I believe they are not biblical. They're not, they're not reading their Bible. They're not even encouraged to read the Bible. Many of you know, if you have family members, they think if you're a born-again believer and you're going to a church like this, that you belong to a cult. Because you're following Jesus. I've heard it from people. Believe me, this area, I mean, I live right next to East Rochester. That's like Little Italy. And everyone there has been, is either was a Catholic or is. And I've heard from so many of them that they, they say that the, when they go to church and they talk about a church like ours or, or, you know, Protestant Bible-believing churches, you know, they call us a cult because we believe in Jesus and we, we, we believe in the word of God. Well, what do you believe in then? What do you believe in then? That's the challenge to them. God loves them, but I can tell you right now, he does not like their system at all. He doesn't like their religion because even their own people are not encouraged to bring their Bible to Mass, much less read it. It's supposed to be interpreted for you because you're, you're an idiot and you can't understand it unless somebody who is schooled and has the right vestments teach you and show you what it means. You can't read it on your own. You're not qualified like me. And that's a problem. Anything that gets in the way between you and Christ is a problem. Okay? But that doesn't mean that everyone who is in Catholic, many of them, there are believers. I believe they're genuine believers. I think they're just caught into a system, and it's just a tradition. It's something that they're, they're you know, it's like the mafia. Once they're in, they can't get out. But I believe there are people who really love the Lord and are really born again, and they're, and they're puzzled, and they're, 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 they're still reading their Bibles. They're praying to the Lord. They're not giving their devotion to Mary. And yet the rest of them are. The rest of them are going along with all the nonsense it doesn't make sense, folks. Robert Govette was, was pointed out that when the massacre of St. Bartholomew took place, and I, and I personally don't know of this instance, but it says, Protestants throughout France were butchered. Rome appointed religious services of thanksgiving as a result of this and struck medals in commemoration of the joyful event. It is strange yet true that while claiming to be Christ's church, she persecutes to death Christ's true believers. And that's a quote. That's a quote. She has, and not to mention the many that will be martyred during the great tribulation period, this apostate church. The church at that time, because there will still be believers on the earth that come to Christ after the church is removed, and those believers during the tribulation will be persecuted by this apostate church. Do you understand? They're going to be persecuted. Not only is the devil and the Antichrist coming after them, but even the apostate church doesn't want anything to do with them because it convicts them. And that's just the way it is. Get used to persecution, folks, because guess what? It's coming. It's here. And it's coming. Make sure you're founded firmly in the faith of Jesus Christ. Make sure that your foundation is Christ and nothing else. Make sure that you're reading the Bible more than you're reading any of the other fake news, including Fox News. Who's the new fake news? But the harlot church has always and will always persecute God's true church of Jesus Christ. I remember in 1990, I had the privilege of going over to Europe with a travel study group from college, and we went all over Europe in a month. I mean, we literally went to every cathedral that you could think of, every major city. It was a really wonderful time in my life. And one of the places that we went, when we went to Rome, we went we toured the Vatican. We went inside the Vatican and looked at all the, the Sistine Chapel and all the galleries, and we went everywhere. And one of the places we went is St. Priscilla as catacombs, which is on the outskirts of the city. And literally, it's a catacombs that the, that the, the real church of Jesus Christ, during the time of persecution back in the first century and the second century, they would hide Below ground, And we actually went down into, we, we walked down these wooden planks down into this really um, kind of dark and musty. They had these just little light bulb hanging, you know, kind of thing. And you're walking through and you can see the, the sides, uh, the, 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 the slits on the sides of the walls where they would bury their dead. You know, the Christians, they would bury them, their dead in there and they would go in there. And we, we would see the different places where they used to gather to worship out of sight of all the Roman, the Roman church. Because they were being hunted. And I remember as an unbeliever even when I was 20 years old being there and being completely blown away. And I remember it now. But they persecuted even the church. Maybe you're being persecuted. And again, as my my intention this morning is not to get you angry with the Roman Catholics, okay? If you want to be angry with something, be be angry with their frustrated with their their religion, okay? But the people love them. Okay? They need to be loved. They need salvation just like we did. And many, and some of them do know him already. So don't... Um, you know, we have to be careful. God is love, and we want to reach them and encourage them in, to faith in Christ. So verse 7, back in our text, it says, "...but the angel said to me, Why did you marvel? I will tell you the mystery of the woman and the beast that carries her, which has the seven heads and the ten horns." And again, we saw this in uh, Revelation chapter 12. Again, the same thing of the, the, you know, it talks about another sign appeared in heaven. Behold, a great fiery red dragon having seven heads and ten horns. We see it again in chapter 13. You know, this beast rising up out of the sea having ten, uh, seven heads and ten horns. We'll look at this more in detail when we get into verse 10 below. But notice in verse 8, it says, The beast that you saw was, notice, and is not, and will ascend out of the bottomless pit and go to perdition. And those who dwell on the earth will marvel whose names are not written in the book of life from the foundation of the world when they see the beast that was and is not and yet is. Now remember, the beast is actually means more than just one thing. The beast, we know, is the satanic power behind the Antichrist. We know that. It also means the Antichrist himself, the man who is over this revived Roman Empire. And the, the revived Roman Empire itself is called the beast. And so when you, when you think of the beast, think of all those things together. It's, it's almost like you can't separate the man from the thing that he rules over. Does that make sense? It's sort of like the apostate church when it, call, when it talks about the woman. And we'll look at this uh, at the end of the chapter if we get there today, I hope we can. Um, the woman is associated with this city that reigns over the kings of the earth, which we believe is Rome. And so, and notice that it speaks of him who was and is not and yet is. I believe this speaks to them, not only the beast Himself, because we know that he was he, he he will be alive, and then he will have an assassination attempt, and then he will rise from the dead and be indwelt by Satan, and then he will continue. But we also know that the Roman Empire was very similar. It was, and yet is not. It's it was dissolved really in 476 A.D. That's when the when the Roman temper, or Roman uh, uh, Empire collapsed really, the Western part of it in 476. But yet, it's going to be revived again after the church is removed. So it was, and was not, and then is. So the beast and his government is going to be a mystery. And that's literally what I believe that means. So there is a oneness between the man and the government that he rules over. In the book of life, we know that in uh in Exodus chapter 32 after the stint that the children of Israel had with the golden calf remember when Moses came down from the mountain and they were worshiping the golden calf and Moses intercedes for them and he says I pray for them forgive their sin and if not wipe out erase me I pray thee out of the your book of of out of your book which you have written we see the book of life also in the last or the second to the, actually it's, let me just say Revelation chapter 20. In the verse 15, at the very last judgment, the white throne judgment, what does it say? And anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. There is a book of life. And I believe that every person is written in the book of life until they take their last breath. And depending on what they've done with Christ, that name either remains in the book or it gets blotted out. And why is it that way? Because God loves people. He doesn't bring you as a baby, he doesn't allow you to be conceived in the womb, knowing from eternity past that you were going to come to pass, that you were going to be born. He's already written your name in the book before you were born. Didn't he say to Jeremiah, before you were in the womb, I knew you. Isn't that scary? Check out Psalm 139, and talks about God's omniscience, his omnipresence. He knows But this book of life, God is so patient with people. He writes your name in, I believe, even before conception. And your name is there until you take your last breath on this earth. And then whatever it is that we've done with Christ during that time that we've lived, from the time of conception until our last breath, that determines where we spend in eternity. And that's... That's a really wonderful grace if you think that's the scariest thing I've ever known. But that's the way it is. Notice in verse 9, Here is the mind that has wisdom. The seven heads are seven mountains on which the woman sits. There are also seven kings. Five have fallen, one is, and the other has not yet come. And when he comes, he must continue a short time. Now this is a really interesting couple of verses, and there's been much debate on what this phrase, Here is the mind that has wisdom, means. Much debate about it. But verse 9 and 10 are either speaking about the same thing, or they're speaking about two different things, although they are very similar. Notice in verse 9, it says the seven heads are seven mountains on which the woman sits, and then you know in verse ten it says and these and there are also seven kings. So this has a double meaning. It's uh, seven heads and it also are seven um, hills on which the woman sits, and it's also re- referring to kings. So these this idea of mountains can represent kingdoms or empires, and it often does in the Bible. There's plenty of scriptures that uh, corroborate that. It could also represent the physical location or of the center for the woman, which I believe is Rome, who is the end-time apostate church. And Rome has always been known as the city of seven hills, always, without question. The city on seven hills. So this apostate church, we believe, is going to be centered in Rome And again, it won't just be Roman Catholicism. It will be apostate, Protestantism, New Age, everything. Because once the church is removed, believe me, there's going to be no witness on the earth. Anything goes. Everyone will finally be able to have a big bonfire and enjoy, you know, the light. (laughs) Whatever that is. (laughs) Embrace the light. Find the light within. Oh, there it is. I found it. Nonsense. Nonsense. Jesus is the light, right? The city on seven hills. Rome has been famously known as that. The Roman poet uh, Propertius spoke of it as the lofty city on seven peaks which rules the world. Ancient Roman coins show Titus Vespasian seated on seven hills. The Roman Catholic Church itself in the confraternity edition of the New Testament they actually, they actually claim that Rome is Babylon. Themselves, they claim that Rome is Babylon. Now, I'm not saying that the Rome that we uh, the, the Roman chapter 17, I believe, is Rome or Babylon. I believe that it, it, it's, it's, it's speaking about the, the foundation of it going back to Babylon, a real Babylon that we read about. But I also believe that the, the foundation of that will be in Rome. Rome. In fact, the seven hills of Rome are listed here. I'm not even going to try and pronounce these. I'll let you look at them. But there are seven different hills, and we can actually see a map of what that looks like along the Tiber River. You can see the the different uh, hills that are on Rome. It's been called, Rome has been and will more likely be the center, again, of that harlot church. Lehman Strauss, uh, a famous Bible commentator, he spoke of John Paul the 23rd, who reigned from October 28th, 1958 to June 3rd, 1963. This is really interesting. He says, since the late Pope John ascended the papal throne, there has been a growing movement towards the merging of all religions into a world church. This has been uh, in the, in the works for many hundreds of years. It has been in the works for a long time for a long time he goes on and he says pope john this this pope john specifically had a desire for a one world government and a one world church he called two councils for the express purpose of setting the wheels in motion toward the forming of the ecumenical church ecumenism is not necessarily good because that means that we throw away doctrine for the sake of unity Never do that, even if you are a small remnant. Don't worry about if you're not a big church. God is not concerned about a big church. He's concerned about a holy church. It doesn't matter how many people are in that church. If there are ten people who really love him with all their heart, he's more excited about that than a room filled with 10,000 people who are just doing anything they want. He loves those people, don't get me wrong, but he really loves the fact that these ten, and he looks at them and he goes, Oh, you're my beloved. And he wants those other 10,000 to know him just like those 10 do. Does that make sense? So never get concerned about numbers. God could care less about numbers. He could care less about size. That's why I don't care about how big our fellowship is or isn't. It's more important that we know the truth. It's more important that we love Christ. It's more important that we worship him. Amen? And that we follow the word of God. I mean, why would you go to church for any other reason? To eat? To fellowship? To gossip? To be entertained by the worship team? By the way, they did an awesome job this morning. Fantastic job. No. You come to church to worship him and encourage each other, right? That's what we're here for. The Vatican and the Roman Catholic Church have consistently over the years caved in on issues that the Bible speaks clearly about. There is and was a actually a great push to make the Virgin Mary co-redemptrix with Jesus. You know what that means? means she's equal with christ
0: i'm sorry that's all the time we have for today but please join us next time as pastor rob continues our journey through the book of revelation calvary chapel of rochester is located at 2503 browncroft boulevard rochester new york 14625 you can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m and 4 p.m monday through friday at area code 585-586-3140